All right, so we're back with the uh, after show here after the Tuesday flagship on February 27th, 2024. Uh, Jason, let me start with uh, an email uh, on Drew McIntyre. And this comes from uh, David Hogan. I, like most, am thoroughly loving this version of the Drew McIntyre character. I was a little surprised last night on Raw, though, to see him slapping hands with fans on the way to the ring. This feels like a callback to the 1995-96 Diesel character when he adapted the you're either with me or against me persona. What are your thoughts on what WWE wants us to feel about Drew? One week he looks like the most vicious heel in the company, doing dastardly things to white meat baby faces, but then next week you see him interacting positively with fans. Maybe I'm looking too deeply into this, but I thought it may make for an interesting question or topic for the flagship. Keep up the amazing work. Thank you, David. Part of that's the brilliance of Drew McIntyre's character, I think. Yeah. I'm curious if you agree with me, Jason. Um, he does think he's a fan favorite. He thinks he's the hero, the baby fit. In his mind, he's doing things right, and he's making people pay in a way that they deserve to be paid for their own actions. And it comes across in his, we did it line. Um, we're going to WrestleMania. We're going to WrestleMania. And so to me, like that's actually kind of like like subversively clever or genius. Um to, to, to be doing that because it's a little the question is is it delusional or is it performative in a kind of a snarky way and I don't know if we're supposed to know that is, is he delusional or is he slapping hands because he sees the the fans as sort of suckers who are buying into his BS that he spews and I, I think yeah well what do you think well I, I know it's influenced by Bret Hart heavily um, now it's not, you know, us versus the world like Brett did, but it's essentially in, in the character's mind, telling the truth, mm-hmm. like Brett Hart felt, you know, his character felt like he was right. telling the truth. And and so I think that's part of it. And yeah, in, in Drew's mind, I, I don't think the character sees himself as the villain at all. And I, I kind of like that they've avoided having him team up with a bunch of heels and things. He's kind of been his own man. I think that's smart. I even thought, as much as I hated that stupid sword they had him carrying around for all those years, uh, I thought it was smart initially to have him continue to bring out the sword because it did kind of send the message that nothing's changed. I haven't changed. It's everyone around me that has changed. And they slowly faded that thing away, thank God. I not can't stand that sword but um yeah I, I think that's the mindset of the character is he, he's the truth teller he's as he put it the savior of wrestlemania <laughs> and so if you're with him great if you're not that's on you i, I think that's that's where the character is coming from yep uh the the line uh when when, when the doctor is saying you might not make it to wrestlemania and drew goes who do you think i am cm punk I just, that was another great, great moment in Drew's current character. Like, manufacturing this idea that he might have an injury that would keep him off of WrestleMania only to set up the line that, unlike CM Punk, he would be stopped. The fact that they are, that Drew is is building up CM Punk's match, you know, match against CM Punk while Punk is gone, but keeping him on people's minds. And, I mean, yes, people want to see Drew against Seth, but people want to see Punk get his hands on Drew because Drew just keeps pelting with these one-liners. It's... That's going to be a big match. I don't know when they're going to pay it off. Um, maybe Drew defending his title against CM Punk at SummerSlam um, if Drew wins a title at uh, WrestleMania. But it, 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 it's, going to, it's going to be a big deal when it happens. 
I mean, do you think that we are going to see Punk sooner rather than later? Not necessarily wrestling. I mean, just because they've kept his name alive through this, and they've shown no signs of slowing down. And what do you mean sooner than later? Just that he is going to play some part. Um, Like, I I don't think that he's going to be able to wrestle that soon. Right. But it does, I mean, it's like a weekly thing now. (laughs) And and I enjoy the hell out of it. But it does kind of make me think, like, okay, there's something that's going to happen with Punk sooner rather than later. I I hope not. I just, I hope he's, you know, part of the WrestleMania pre-show panel and doesn't appear on WrestleMania. And when he's healthy... He shows up and they make a big deal. CM Punk returns and it becomes a God, post. Now I got to pay attention to the pre-show. Don't do that. <laughs> and then and then it just becomes, hey, after WrestleMania, when you know it seems like there's a lull, it's not. You know, it's CM Punk's back and he's going to be on TV every week. Um, I, I hope they do that. I, I think I think having Drew talk about him incessantly and having the payoff of Punk responding to him not a, happening until um, you know late April or May is, is better. Okay. Uh, Sean from Murfreesboro, Tennessee says, hey, Wade and Jason, what's up, guys? It's always fun to listen to you on a Tuesday afternoon, the two best wrestling journalists in the business. A few thoughts about Revolution and AEW in general. First, some of the builds for the main matches have still been weak, especially FTR versus BCC with no defined characters. Now we have a Meat Madness match? Are you freaking serious? That's just a joke. Anyway, I brought it up on the Boom Live with Jason, but who do you think wins the Tag Team Tornado title match? I think the build has been fine, other than the EVP stuff, but it's interesting who wins. If the Bucks win, the Heat would just be incredible, and it can help their heel turn so much. But if Sting and Darby win, then it's a great moment for the fans that are there, and we get a dreaded tournament to determine the next champion. What do you think? Anyway, go VIP people. Have a great show. Well, this is only for VIP members, so um, thanks to everybody in uh, .NET. Well, I guess if you're a .NET member, go VIP. And if you're a VIP member, go .NET member. Um, there you go. Yeah, there we are. Um, so, yeah, so we, we talked about this early on in our in our AW discussion, but we can uh, um, elaborate a, a little bit because there is amazing heat if the Bucks, part of the Bucks character. It's like, you know, Drew poking at Punk. If the Bucks start, or like Jericho, like I beat Rock and Austin on the same night. Um it can be a bragging point that, you know, we humiliated and retired Sting. Like, if, if they do that, especially if they do the thing where Sting, you know, beats up Flair afterwards for the for that, you know, the sort of the, the happy ending for the fans and Sting's career and just tie a ribbon around everything. So there is that positive. But I just, I don't, I think the Bucks are going to be just fine losing to Sting and Darby. Um, and that should be what happens. I just... I just think you need Matt or Nick tapping out to a Scorpion Deathlock um, or getting pinned after a Stinger Splash or whatever. Uh, maybe, I mean, I you know, you could have Darby do the finish, you know, be the winner, but I think you should just, Sting's final moment should be getting a tap out over the Bucks and the Bucks throwing another fit and being humiliated. I just think, just give the fans what they want. I, I just think that's pretty decisively the right finish, even if you're going to do something with Flair physically afterwards. I agree. I, I think you have to be very careful if you do have the Bucks go over to make sure you have something that feels like a, a show-ending crescendo. That, mm-hmm. That's gonna the Bucks walk out with the titles, but you send the, the crowd home extremely happy, or you do risk you know killing that town, and and also you know all these people who may order this show to see Sting's retirement that may not be regular AEW pay-per-view buyers and. So that is the tricky part if you do it. But I, I'm with you. I think it's just easiest to have Sting and Darby retain. Um, uh, Sting may 
push back against that. I, I don't know how he is with that sort of thing, but it's, you know, typically uh, the retiring legend, uh, most of them want to do business on the way out the door and try to elevate somebody. And uh, But I, I think in this case, it does make sense just to go ahead and do it, and then Tony can have another one of his uh, favorite tournaments, and uh, <laughs> we get uh, new tag team champions. Yes. Um, it would be nice for the tag division to just a new a new re, uh, a new year's resolution for tony khan post revolution is just making that tag team division a, a centerpiece from a standpoint of having rankings and contenders and and defiant characters and um yeah i mean that was going to be one Can of the you do, do me a favor way do a quick search try to bring up the latest AEW rankings i could not find them. oh that's, i tried yesterday well, i was gonna ask about whatever happened to the rankings like they we're gonna bring it back and they dropped it already they're not they don't even talk about it i i thought they were really going to be like okay we learned last time we're going to make this work yeah i i don't know if they've updated them since the end of the month that was the only thing I, but i could have sworn they did and when I do a Google search, I Googled it, and um, it brought up, like, the old rankings, and then something from January, which, you know, not as old as the, the old, old rankings, but uh, I went to their website. I, yeah, I'm just not sure. No, no, I, I agree. I mean, but I, they didn't, they have, had they, did they reference it in the last week? I don't even know. Um, I mean, the last, ra- the last rankings were February 10th on their website. Okay, I couldn't even find those, so I'm happy you did. Yeah. So I don't know, but I don't think they established like what, how often they're updating them and what it's based on or anything. It's just, I mean, they have little little up arrows. The Sony moves up or down. It's kind of like power rankings, I guess, in in sports. But um, the the references to championship committees. I mean, it's just it's just it's just half done. It's not even half baked. I mean, how how they did this and, um, you know, it's just it. If you're gonna do it, do it. If you're not, don't. But don't do it. Don't. Do it a little bit and then just abandon it, which seems like they already lost interest in it. It does, yeah. I, it, unfortunately, yeah. Uh, Gunther, what do you make of the parade of challengers and him crossing paths with Sammy and Chad Gable wanting this? And I mean, and Damian Priest, I didn't expect that going face to face with him. Um, you know, you think Braun Breaker would be in this conversation? Uh, Bronson Reed's chatting with Adam Pierce, I think, on the phone last night. What? What? What do, what do you think they're going to do? Is this uh, are we heading towards a four way, or are we headed towards a mini tournament, or are we going to have a gauntlet match to determine who faces them at WrestleMania? I guess they're all in the in in, in play. I think so. Yeah, like I said earlier, I'd really like to see a singles match for the Intercontinental Title at Mania. Yeah. So I'm hoping this we're going to get some, even if it's a ladder match, you know, a big multi person, whatever. Just get me in my singles match at Mania. But I I don't know if we will just because they have. So many media slots. They they want to get so many people on the show that I could see them going with some big multi-person thing. The the match that I want to see personally is Sammy and Gunther. I do too. Um, and and Sammy is a character that I'm really intrigued by right now because yeah. it seems like they. I mean, he's I I, I like the idea that rest. I was seeing when Cena did it was like melodramatic and like seriously, you're going to be on WrestleMania and if you're not, it's like it. But the part of that is just Cena hams it up so much. Um. But the uh, story of Sammy going, you know, I, I had this big moment and now I'm, I'm looking back. It's been a year since this magical night in Montreal and I don't even know if I have a place in WrestleMania. Like, I think people are on his side, but there's also this sense of, is he going to go dark? Is he going to snap? Is he going to have a breakdown and, and go heel again? And if so, is it going to be main event heel where you could have him be an opponent for Cody 
for the for the title. Like you can see they're planning long term. I mean, Nia Jax, every they rehiring her and everything they did with her was for the moment Saturday, not Saturday in, in Perth. You know, they wanted to have a, a monster opponent for Rhea to slay and and you know, also, you know, now they're moving to Becky. They, what they're doing with Sammy is part of a plan, and that's part of Levesque's booking. That's nice. And and so do you think Sammy being Cody's friend who turns on Cody or uh, it can be part of that story because when we talk about like what's going on with the bloodline and Cody and the rock is there a chance Sammy ends up involved in this because he's obviously got a history of bloodline he's you know chatting it up with 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 um, Cody he's talking about his future uh, his WrestleMania aspirations he's he's insecure and and seems almost desperate Um, I'm yeah I've just I can see different possibilities with him, but I'm I'm on board to watch this play out. I am too, I, and it could go multiple ways. I, I could see this being Sammy is the guy who defeats Gunther and wins an Intercontinental Championship, and yep. he gets his feel-good moment. But I could also see him losing and that driving him over the edge. And there are some parallels with him and Cody, and and I would hate to see them go too meta with it. But uh, you know, if there if there's a way to make it seem like everybody got on board with Cody when he's the guy who took Roman to the limit at last year's Elimination Chamber and how quickly they all moved on to Cody. I have a, a tinge of jealousy there. That could be even more reason. I even, you know, just watching this play out, with given the timing, like, are they putting the bloodline back together again? Uh, because he has seemed a little bit manic, and, you know, I it, it would be... It would take a, a hell of an explanation for Sammy to go back, given everything that's happened, but you do have a hell of a guy there in The Rock to kind of help justify that if they want to. I don't think that's where they're going. But, yeah, I, I think it really, if we do get Sammy and Gunther, I, I think it is he either wins that championship and we get the feel-good moment, or he loses and that sends him, you know, that makes him snap, and he does go after Cody. All are good possibilities because I, I yeah I like, yeah I like I like Sammy and and the cool thing is we we've seen manic fun heel Sammy yep we haven't seen like sinister manic heel <laughs> exactly Sammy. there's a there is an absolute variation of it that can, that can work um okay uh what's going on with Becky Lynch the fans like Rhea more yeah is it is that and... it or or is there more. I don't, boy, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure what you mean. Like it would, it's the, the lackluster response to Becky and her, is she just sort of needs to find her new role is, you know, the, the heel run. I think Brandon LeClaire was talking about that on, on the uh, daily cast after elimination chamber. Has that done damage to her? Has just becoming a mom and talking about her relationship with Seth changed a lot of fans perception of her. Is she not the shiny new bright rising star but the veteran and people just want something fresh or because i don't see a lot different about her and how she's carrying herself and yet there's a tepid sort of mixed response to her and it might just be rhea ripley and and there's i don't think there's a, a better antidote to fan apathy towards a baby face than having nia Jax be the person that that baby face now is is, is designed to beat up and no one's going to cheer nia against becky and that should um, result in some, some cheering for her. But I'm just trying to figure it out. It's just been a topic of conversation. You know, what, is there something, is there a disconnect? Has that bond with 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 uh, um, Becky and the fan base taken a hit and why? And can it can she get back to being, you know, at one point she was like the top star in WWE. 
Yeah, I don't think there's just one answer in this either. I, I do think it goes back to the alleged sex pest's idiotic decision to turn her heel when she came back. And now she's back as the man for the second time. And that should have been a, a real feel-good moment. But, uh, you know, I you're kind of going back to something that feels a little dated now. And also... She wasn't booked particularly well when she was, you know, coming back as the man, uh, as a babyface. They just, and we talked about it a million times, they didn't set up strong opponents for her and the other top women in that division. There's that big drop. There's the top people, and then way down is everybody else. And so I think that has taken its toll. And then you also combine that with Rhea being as over as she is, and the fans love her. Um, they're just not going to respond to Becky the way that um, you know that that they were, and mm-hmm. the the nice thing is they have Dominic Mysterio there to to draw the heat, and I think it was really smart to have him be involved in that. And I think if they want this to be even a split reaction, I think Dom's going to have to really you know be a big part of this uh, to, yeah. to try to keep people, uh, maybe not booing Rhea, but at least booing her side of things with Dom being part of it. Yes, yes, Rhea Ripley. You're from now top centerpiece babyface in the women's division? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, I think yeah. she is an absolute star. And, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, boy, we've, we've kind of seen this coming from the NXT days even. I mean, it's just there, there's something special there. Uh, John Cena has uh, not responded, I think, particularly admirably to the Vince McMahon situation. <laughs> God. <laughs> I... I I've just I've just shaken my head, you know, reading the the, the transcript um, of of I mean, it just feels so toned. Down. And you just I, I don't know, Jason. For what what what's your take on on what he said? Just oh, I mean, it it just feels so dismissive of what is alleged and not hedging enough in a way that makes it seem like you're acknowledging that if everything said is true, maybe that ought to be the headline and not how much I admire him for making me rich and famous and standing by me and how much I enjoyed creatively working with him and how much I love him. Yeah, I, I think John wanted to come off as the baby face for standing by the alleged sex pest, and you're not going to. I mean, yeah. I hey, if John Cena wants to maintain his friendship with Vince McMahon, that's his choice. I'm honestly not bothered by it. But I think John Cena... Uh, the celebrity needs to frame it differently. Um, I, I think John Cena needed to express some concern for his behavior that really didn't uh, – my value system was about the only thing. I mean, he, he started by saying it's not complicated to talk about and then proved himself wrong <laughs> for the next five minutes. I yeah. mean, God, that was just awful. I don't know if he has bad PR people, if that's just him thinking that he can – try to be earnest and talk his way through it and everyone will nod along and no that was really bad yeah he's he's a weird dude and and always has yes, been you is. know in in certain ways but i i just i i don't even know what to make of it it feels so like it's not just tone deaf from a pr perspective but if those allegations are true those text messages are real and if the context of, of how they happen it's like i mean you've got to say hey I, I love this man and i worked with him but you know there's things here i i i that that I didn't know about, and I'm still I'm still processing and trying to reconcile it, and I, I just I don't know that I'm ready to talk about it. You know, like I mean, you could, that that could be it, and nobody it wouldn't be a controversy. 
you know, I, I've, you know, I, I, I love this man. I, you know, I, in some ways always will, but I, I'm processing this and I, 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 you know, I want more information, but you know, the information I have has certainly led to me kind of recalibrating, you know, who, who, who this person is, or it added a, it added a, a disturbing, you know, disconcerting aspect to this. And I just, I hope, I hope it's not what it looks like. I don't know. I mean, they're just, yeah. I, I, or I, like, look, if he thinks he knows something that we don't, I think <laughs> you need to essentially, you know, say that. Um, but I, I don't, the fact that he didn't, I think it's pretty telling. I think people would respect if he goes, I, I cannot speak objectively about Vince McMahon and I want to see, I want to get more information and see this play out. I can understand, uh, absolutely people looking at, at what we see right now and, and being horrified by it. Um, I just don't feel I have the information, the expertise, or the objectivity to speak about it publicly. Um, you know, people know how much respect I had for him and 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 loved working with him, and and I, I don't know that I want to say more at this time. Let's let's find out more and let me, you know, just give me some space to process this because I was so close with him. I, I just make people like, oh, I can understand. That's that's a human being talking. Yeah, I think that's yeah. fair. Yeah. TNA Impact since the switchover, since Scott Diamore's departure, their event this weekend. What what do you what's your I like throwing to you to get kind of get your take every couple shows that we do together on on uh on TNA? Um what do you what do you think about where they are right now? And is there, you know, there's some talk of them maybe doing live Thursday night shows at full sale, um, you know, which would be cool. They can yeah, you know, that would be in a way positioning themselves as sort of the new black and gold. Um, you know, for fans who kind of miss that era of uh of nxt or you know build on that a little bit as the little engine that could as nxt i think triple h once called them <laughs> i think he did um so yeah i mean i don't know uh, what do you think of their roster they're they're resigning some names they've got um you know mustafa Ali is, is a nice addition and a good worker and a good fit for them so yeah just some some highs and lows in, in your take on on the state of tna I think it all comes down right now to life after Scott Demore and what this is going to be like creatively. I didn't see the show over the weekend. There just was uh, so much going on, but um, uh, it seemed to get good reviews. And the, you know, but it was you know, the the lineup was such that it was going to be a good show on paper um, if the matches delivered, and and they, it seems like they did. But now the hard work really does begin for them um, with the the new television taping. This will be the first time, or it is the first time they've taped television since DeMore left. And so it's really hard to get a feel without having seen any of that. I've just avoided the spoilers and want to kind of see it all play out. Uh, I do like some of the new additions they've made. Um, Nick Nemeth feels like a big fish in a small pond in a good way. Yep. And uh, Ali, yeah, I mean, that's a a nice addition as well. And even, you know, I'm, I'm intrigued by Dana Brooke trying to reinvent herself as mm-hmm. Ash by Elegance. It's so much better than just showing up and here's Dana Brooke. Like, no, like biceps. Oh, yeah. Um, and but can Raquel Rodriguez quit with the back flexing yeah. pose? I <laughs> yes. just roll my eyes. Like, yeah, only I, I, Paul Levesque is I'm going, look at that. I, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you if you spend that much time in the gym to look that way, I know that fe- you feel like you want to show off your hard work. And but people don't share that passion that you do with the definition of your muscles so um pro wrestling fans don't i mean some do but not enough so it just shouldn't be something that you think is it, it, it i'm has... just not impressed by her back yeah, like, okay i'm sure if i'm a bodybuilder i'm like ooh, that's impressive but just to the the layman eyes yeah like, okay whatever yeah exactly 
And even if you were impressed, what does that have to do with anything? Like, it's great. You, you enjoy your time in the gym. It's your social activity, and you, people get, you know, an, a, an endorphin rush, and, and it's, it can be healthy to, to a point. Not a Brian Cage point, but, you know, it can be healthy to a point. And that's great. Teach their own. Everybody has the things that they do. But don't expect us to share your passion when we're here to watch pro wrestling and not evaluate, you know, musculature. Or or bicep size, you know the look it up. Proud I'm a flexing. It's like it's like the you know five year old boy who flexes for a photo, and it's like he has no arms and he's so <laughs> proud. Like that's it's, it's it's like it's adorable, but you're a grown up, so stop it. Hercules, um, Hercules. Uh, okay, I think I had one other. Oh, Ole Anderson, um, a historically significant figure in in so many so many different ways. Um, you know he. he he was the guy who just was the, the the cast as the curmudgeon when Mick Foley was leaping off the ring, landing on his hip, saying he's going to be in a wheelchair by the time he's 50. And Mick has avoided the wheelchair, but, you know, Ole wasn't wrong um, about, you know, style-wise. If you're going to do stuff, make it count. He went a little further than he, you know, needed to for the times, but that's kind of maybe comes with age and, and having a, a strong uh, persona there. But he was a, a, an, an essential, I know, you know, it's, People think of the four horsemen, they think of, you know, Ric Flair and Tully and Arn, but Ole was a big part of of the early vibe of the four horsemen and that, that grizzled yeah. veteran edge, edgy um leader um that that was part of making making that that gimmick work. So yeah, just uh talk about Ole a little bit, Jason. What comes to mind when when you think of him and his work on camera um and and off camera? He was uh influential in many ways. He definitely um, successful runs as a booker, um, a very gruff individual yeah. who is not afraid to tell people to F off, uh, including both Vince McMahon and Linda McMahon. It made me wonder mm-hmm. if uh, his death would have even been acknowledged by WWE if uh, Vince were still calling the shots. Uh, but yeah, he, I mean, the curmudgeon part wasn't just for Foley, obviously. that's That was his reputation for a long time. And I do wonder if his legacy is a bit affected by that, just that he wasn't the friendliest guy. He didn't um, you know, keep his name in the news or you know, in a positive way. He wasn't uh, somebody that fans would have a good experience with if he did appear at a convention. And I think that all <laughs> kind of does work against him a little bit. But um, I, you know, I saw Ole... Um, I, I kind of came in around the time of the Horseman when it came to that product. I was seeing other wrestling before it, but by the time I got to start seeing Jim Crockett promotions was um, uh, you know, basically Horseman time, maybe a little bit before it. And yeah, he was a big part of the early success of the Horseman that I saw. And then at the same time, when they replaced him, I felt good. <laughs> you know, it was like, all right. Uh, so he'd kind of... I, I think run his course there, but um, yeah, I mean, it sounds just everything I, I've read and heard, despite the gruffness and everything else. So one hell of a mind for the business and, you know, very much an old school uh, kind of a guy. And, and that's, you know, you, you roll your eyes at some of it, but uh, uh, definitely a talented guy and that made his mark in this industry. Yes, uh, definitely. All right, uh, Jason, I uh, pushed uh, past our, uh, our, our time limit with a, uh, a good range of topics here. I'm glad we got another half hour roughly in here of, uh, of VIP after show and hit on some topics. I didn't want to miss out on anything else that you want to bring up before we sign off. I think just um, to back up, I don't think we addressed the idea of TNA potentially going live on a weekly basis. Yeah. Um, it sounds like, I believe it was Dave Meltzer reported that they 
have talked about trying to do this in uh, next year. So I don't think it's anything imminent. Uh, and I don't know. Um, I, I don't know how much difference it's going to make as far as their ratings are concerned. They may get a little growth out of it, but is it going to be enough to offset the costs of, of doing this? I worry about that company um, just with Demore being gone. And if they had the right person coming in, I, I you know I don't even know who that would be. Uh, I might be optimistic, but it, it just kind of sounds like they're putting Anthem people there. Mm-hmm. And, that, you know, I mean, they've been around the product for a while now, but it doesn't necessarily mean they know uh, who the right people are, too. You know, I, I don't think they're delusional enough to think they can be uh, the creative uh, person for that company. But you do worry when you start uh, bringing in uh, not entire outside, but outsiders from the business to some extent that they're going to go with the people that are nice to them or, and and hopefully that won't be the case. But I I do worry about uh, the future of this company, especially when, you know, I I think they got rid of Demore because there was a a difference there when it came to uh, their belief in what the budget should be compared to his. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm just happy that there's hasn't been any um, Vince-like stories coming out of this—that's good, and so that, and hopefully there won't be, because I do think Demore has a lot to contribute to somebody creatively. But if it's not going to be TNA, then who is that person going to be? What's the product going to be like? And um, you know, you can you can go live, but if your product isn't good, that's not going to make a difference. And so, yeah, I think the the next, uh, you know, the, this first batch of television tapings, and really for a while now. I think are going to be very telling about uh, you know what the uh, the future of this company. All right, very good, uh, Jason. Thank you. Uh, we'll talk to you uh, again next time in three weeks. Sounds great. And we'll uh, be well on the road to WrestleMania then with a lot lot more uh, information, and uh, we'll also have an idea of uh, Mercedes Monet's presumed uh, impact on things. Yeah. Um, uh, by then, in terms of final ticket sales and, and TV ratings, and just how we, how she's coming across on air and what we hear about her off air. And uh, maybe some a new look for AWTV and all kinds of stuff. It 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 it, it, it kind of mark the progression of uh, of wrestling with our with our every three week conversations, and we'll we'll have we'll know a lot uh, three weeks from now. Uh, it'll be Royal Rumble week. Just to pick up on the uh, last brain fart that I had at the end of uh, the other show, a, a couple I think two episodes ago. I'm like, oh wait, that's next week. And uh, yeah, anyway, here we are. Are we going to learn more about the Minnesota Vikings three weeks from now? Oh, we're going to know a lot more, um, yeah. you know, with the, the cousin situation. Um, there's some people clinging to the belief that they could try to trade Justin Jefferson, which I just I would hope that's not even being considered. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, also um, the the big edge rusher, who's uh, why can't I think of a long time um, star defensive end? Uh, we're now a linebacker because they switched to a three four. Uh, but yeah, those th- you know those uh, I think really it's it's cousins. And then also what they do with, uh, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm drawing this blank. But um, Danelle Hunter. Yeah, that's going to be really telling. And if they don't, if Cousin signs elsewhere, then it's almost like you're committed to you have to hit on somebody in the draft. And I think, personally, they're going to have to move up in order to have any shot of doing that because I think the guy they covet, if they could stay put and get the, a kid named McCarthy, I think they probably would, but... There's also a strong likelihood that Denver, who picks before them, is going to uh, take a quarterback. And then uh, there's always the possibility that somebody behind them trades up. And uh, the last thing you want to do is, 
well, uh, be in the situation they were last year where you don't have a quarterback. And so yeah, it's going to be very telling uh, what happens here with the free agency approaching. Yeah, we had quarterbacks. We had plenty of quarterbacks last year, last season. Yeah, we didn't we just sure have did. one. That was a, it. Wasn't a lack of quarterbacks. It was just not having a singular one that that we could count on. Cool. All right, Jason. Thanks. We'll talk to you next time. You got it. 